guys. Welcome to Slash Report. I'm Prue, and I'm joined, as ever, by my partner in crime, MK. What up? Hi. So this is our long-awaited Ask Us Anything episode. If you sent us a question, sent us a Tumblr ask, sent us an email, sent something to the Anon Confessional, and we didn't respond, that's because we were compiling a massive, massive text file of questions in preparation for this episode. Um, And without further ado, we're going to jump right into it. And our first question is from Reader963, and it is about how much commenting do we do as we read in fandom? MK? The answer is not nearly as much as we should. (laughs) Speak for yourself. Okay. Not much as I should. I I read a lot. Um, I'm pretty good about giving kudos, but I often am at work when I'm reading fic, so I don't want to click on the AO3 link. Like, I read it on my Kindle or Kobo, and then I edit the thing on Pinboard. And I'm like, I'll go back later and I'll comment. And inevitably I forget. Yeah, it is one of the problems. Because I think that especially with fandom being much more mobile, like I spend a lot of time reading on my phone, it's harder to just instinctively at the end of a story drop a line saying like, hey, this was really great. Um, Especially if you're, you know, like on a train underground somewhere. But generally speaking, um, if you look at my pinboard account, almost every single thing that I have tagged as a rec, I have commented on. Uh, And I mean, there, I will, I will drop random kudos elsewhere. But for the general rule is like, if I liked your story, I probably commented on it. Yeah, you're a better person than me. No, I just, it's just like, I know how much it drives me crazy. And I recognize like, there's like a certain level of like, no, it boils down to the fact that like, I feel like everyone deserves more comments than they actually get. And it would be terribly hypocritical of me to like, have that feeling if, I didn't actually contribute. So if I liked your story, I probably commented on it. Oh man, now I want to spend like a whole weekend just commenting on stories that I read like three years ago. That's right. See, the guilt kicks in. Ugh. All right, let's move on. Second question. Second question from the Anon Confessional. I love Slash and read it in abundance and listen to the Slash Report, and I've even tried my hand at writing my own, yet I consume virtually no fanish materials. For example, I've read huge amounts of Slash from loads of shows, and I haven't seen a single episode of any of them. Even in fandoms which I have read watched the source materials like the Avengers or Harry Potter, I seldom feel shippy about the characters. At least, I don't see it in the source materials. It all comes from reading fic. To me, Slash is essentially just a huge pool of original gay romance novels, all available for free. I'm writing this confession because I often feel like a fraud, and I can't help but wonder if there are others like me. Um, you know what? If I read something and I feel like it's really out of character but still enjoyable, then I consider it just to be like a gay romance novel that's free on the <laughs> internet. But otherwise, I, I can't really relate. I feel like there's no wrong way to do slash. So you're not a fraud, Anon. You're just someone who enjoys it in a different way than a lot of people do. And I'm, I bet you there are tons of people like you. Yeah, almost you like certain. A lot, like lurkers being the dark matter of the internet that we have discussed. Yeah. I feel like a lot of them are probably in the same pool. That makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Um, next question from Polar Stern. Hey, MK, how do you and crew feel about Damon, Demon, his Dark Material AUs? And I can go ahead and say I love them. I love them so much. It's like the only time I like animals in stories. It's true. Only That's time. like the only time that I can be like, there are animals in this and Prue's going to like it. I'm going to send it to her. Yep. Only time. Yeah. They're great. The end. Uh, our next question is from Oh No Social Interaction. 
Which A plus uh, username right there. Yeah, that's pretty solid. Hi, MK. I was wondering, because of your love of certain tropes and the fact that you are from the exotic land of Canada, uh, <laughs> have you seen or have any thoughts on Lost Girl? To be honest, it's my anti-Teen Wolf, where everything makes me happy. Where everything's the Kinsey scale and fanfic tropes. Okay, uh, I'm not sure if Lost Girl airs outside of Canada, so I'm just going to give you like a brief explanation, but uh, it's basically about a succubus or an incubus. It's like a girl who discovers that when she makes out with a boy, like at a party when she's 16 or something, uh, or has sex with him. I haven't actually seen it. I saw the previews, and I saw all of the ads in the subway and everything, and I was just really uninterested in seeing it. And part of that is because of the network it's on, which is, um, it's basically the channel that used to show Red Shoe Diaries, like, every day at 4 p.m. Good. Uh, And most of the time, I just don't like stuff that's on that network. And I know that that's prejudice but there are a lot of like if it airs on like a disney network i'm like i'm probably gonna hate that and 99 percent of the time it's true um it seems cool there's a teen wolf lost girl au out there right now for other people who want to like dip your toes in before trying some canadian television i feel like it must be running in the u.s because i've seen promos for it but given what i've seen in the promos i would have never assumed that that was the plot of the show well there's like a lot of like fairies and demons and she like learns about all the other there's like that second level of society or whatever okay so this would basically be like the anti-crew show yeah no you would hate it i would definitely hate this okay interesting i don't know i know a large number of people who would probably really like it but i don't actually know anyone who watches it (laughs) someone must so if you do let us know yeah do a safari for it yeah Okay, next question. Anon via Tumblr. I love listening to Slash Report and listening to you guys hang out, but every time I do, I'm filled with deep envy. I've been lurking and commenting in fandoms for years, but I've never been able to make a connection with anyone. How do you make online fandom friends? MK, you're going to have to answer this one because I legitimately do not have an answer to this. (laughs) Okay, I know it's scary and I know you don't want to do it, but you have to talk to people more uh, because the only reason that Prue and I are friends is because I was like obsessively commenting on her journal about <laughs> shit that I knew she would like. And I was like, we'll never be friends. That's fine. Like <laughs> it, it won't happen. That's totally okay. But I know that she will love like NCIS and this other thing and this other thing. And I just want her to watch it. And then it turned out that we you were friends. That's a lie. You just want me to watch it in the hopes that I would write fanfic for it. Yeah, same difference. Oh my god. Come on. It worked out really well for both of us. That is true. Continue. Um, but other than that, it's mostly by accident, right? Like, uh, I just feel like you have to keep the conversation going. And maybe it'll stop most of the time, and that's fine. Eventually, you will find someone that you're talking to, and you'll be like, hey, we should be friends, and it'll work out. I also feel like, at least of late, it is easier to make friends on the internet because people are more willing to do, like, meetups and stuff. Totally. Like, for example, just um, off the top of my head, and this is not, like, a typical slash fandom thing, but um, Drama Beans, which is this massive, like, K-drama recap and news site, like, does periodic meetups, like, in New York City. So... And I feel like the good thing about that is, is that you have a lot of people who are probably going to be a little nervous, perhaps a little awkward, but all of you know you have a common interest. And it's like an open call for like everyone who likes this to come hang out. So you automatically have like a point to start the conversation. And I think it's a lot easier to make, I always find at least, that it's a lot easier to make friends in person. There's that, yeah. If you live in like a, a large city or metropolis, just 
There are all sorts of events. The comic book stores have them. There's, like, conventions. There's um, movie screenings. I think Toronto has, like, a Firefly Serenity rewatch at a theater, like, once a year for charity. So, yeah, and I mean, if you're not in a major metropolis where those are options, I definitely go with what MK said. You know, you just have to talk to people more. Yeah. And I think that that can be hard because occasionally you make the leap to leave someone a comment or try to initiate a conversation and maybe that doesn't go anywhere. But you can't really let that be discouraging, you know? No. I guess you just have to keep trying. Also, a lot of people just, like, miss their comments or don't get to them in time and it's not because they don't like you it's like they've honestly forgotten yeah that happens all the time it's true all right let's do our next one uh we have a series four questions from shu <laughs> um the first question what do you think of fix about people working in your profession any tips for not getting thrown out of fix when you know too much about one subject grow up maybe my first thought on this is as for the tips for not getting thrown out just don't read them like i can't Whenever I read something that is just like attempting to do, attempting to operate within my professional experience, it is inevitably wrong. There may be, there are like three people that I know would actually do it correctly. And it's literally because they are in the same line of work as me. <laughs> and then everybody else, I'm just like, this is, it's not that you're, it's not that a good effort wasn't made. It's just not completely authentic to me. And I recognize that's like a me thing. So for me, the answer is always just like, I'm probably just not going to read it. Not because the story is not good, but it's going to bug me. That's fair enough. I think, uh, okay, so I've only ever read one story where someone worked in close to my profession, but not actually my profession. Yeah. Um, And it was fine because they didn't focus on it that much. But my main thing is like, and this applies to so many different things. I've been reading so many stories lately where people are like, oh, I got everything about the geography of this place wrong. Sorry, I've never <laughs> been there. And I was like, it's called Google. Like, you can learn a lot of shit on Google. You know where I've never been? California. Done. And, well, it doesn't yeah. really matter in that case because clearly the producers and makers of fucking Teen Wolf have never been to California either if they think there's like an abandoned subway station anywhere near Northern California. <laughs> so like, fuck those guys with Q-tip in the face. Um, but I mean, yeah, I'm with MK on this. Like, just, just Google. I, it's actually hilarious because I have two different Tumblr asks that I haven't addressed on my Tumblr because I never do. Um, basically saying like, you must live in Ann Arbor, right? Like there's no way no one ever writes this much fic about a place like in Ann Arbor, unless you live there. And it's like, nope, I've never even been to Ann Arbor. But what I do have on my side is Google Maps. (laughs) Yeah. Google Maps is really helpful. And okay. Once I was at a convention, um, and I went to a panel on Bones back when Bones was good. Right. And the person who was leading the panel was one of five actual forensic anthropologists in North America. Nice. And at the end of it, she was like, here's my card. I have a whole stack of them. If any of you are writing Bones fan fiction or you want to write stories featuring forensic anthropologists, just call me or email me and I will help you. I feel like that's like a really kind offer, but realistically speaking, like that's a lot of, that's a lot of demands on your time. It is, but I feel like, um, there's a small chance that you know somebody, uh, who is in the profession that you want to write about because- we're not that creative in fandom. We write about the same professions over and over again. If you want to know about artist modeling, I actually know a lot about artist modeling. I probably can't answer all of your questions, but you could Google them and you could figure a lot of it out. Yeah, I also feel like this is this goes back to like one of my dreams, one of the things that I wish existed, where um, there was kind of just like 
if back in the day when LJ was like a thing, if we made like an LJ con called like the career counselor's office where various people with various specialties careers could like write like a pretty basic rundown of their jobs, which, and then you would have that as a standing thing and people could leave comments asking questions and presumably other people who are sort of involved in this would be able to pitch in and help too. I think that would be incredibly useful. That would be incredibly useful. I'm trying to bully people into doing that for like New York city right now because with the, I wouldn't say like the burst of person of interest fanfic, but with the interest in person of interest fanfic. Um, and that's a show that's very deeply rooted in the city. And it's a city that enough people know and live in that if you don't get certain elements right, it's going to throw a lot of people out of your story. And it's not really like if you get something minute wrong in a prof- like in a professional context for something, it's going to bug people. But like, if you make a comment about the subway and you call it the Metro or something, it's yeah. going to make me bug fucking insane. So even I have only been to New York like three times and I have failed out of a story set in New York in the first paragraph. Cause I was like, Nope, everything yeah. is wrong. Yeah. And it's not, and it's, it's unfair because it's not necessarily a comment on the rest of your story being good or bad, but if it doesn't pass the plausibility test, I think you're going to lose some readers. Definitely. All right. Let's okay. Go. The second part of Shu's question, number two: Why do Ben Wishaw's characters die all the time? Would you have liked to see a girl cue? I'm desperate for some gender switch A's. Number one: uh, The only things I've ever seen Ben Wishaw in are promos for the hour, which looked so boring. I wanted to cry. <laughs> I don't. Ditto. I don't want to get like angry emails from people, Laz, talking about how amazing <laughs> the hour is. I don't care. Number two. I saw part of his like Shakespeare movie because Laz made me watch it. And <laughs> number three, at least he lived in in Bond. Like he didn't die in that one. So yay for surviving one film. Success. <laughs> um, I would say that you can ask the same thing of Sean Bean, right? Like every role that Sean Bean has ever played. He's like died tragically. Yeah. Um, he, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe he likes roles where his character dies. Maybe he fucking loves doing death scenes. Maybe. It's like how it's like how maybe Cillian Murphy just really likes having a bag put over his head. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's his thing, right? Yeah, who knows? People gotta get their rocks off somehow. Um, um, I think girl Q is interesting, but I would actually be much more interested in a girl bond. Agreed. I don't think that girl Q would necessarily... I mean, I guess it's like, I guess it depends on what you sort of want out of it, right? Like whenever I do or look for a gender switch, I want to find something that has the most interesting ramifications. And I don't necessarily think girl Q would be as interesting a change as if you had girl bond. Yeah, I enjoy the idea of girl Q visually because I think that Ben Wishaw would make a beautiful woman. (laughs) Okay. Just like a thing that I think would be really nice. Uh, But girl bond would be so fascinating. It would be really, really interesting. Like, that would just, yeah, please do it. It um, would be great. Do you think we'll see that in our lifetime? <laughs> no. <laughs> I can dream. You can dream. I will dream. Let's move on. Uh, the third question from Shu. You guys obviously have an online presence under screen names. What do you feel about using real names online? Right now I'm trying to establish an online identity con- connected to my real name, but it's hard to get rid of the habits I developed while pretending to be anonymous. Yeah. (laughs) Creating? Okay, so everything that I do online under my real name is pretty much related to my job or getting a different job or something career-related. Yeah. It's basically just a digital resume. 
even like my LinkedIn profile, like anything that I do out there, I just consider it an extension of my resume. It's really boring. Um, that's, I can't, there's like no, yeah, no I would agree with you. Cause I was literally trying to think of anything that I do. That's interesting that is connected with my real name on the internet. And it's n- literally zero. I feel like the only thing that may be non immediately professionally related that has my real name on it is my Facebook account, but I haven't updated my Facebook account in since I lived in a different country. Yes. And my Facebook account has a different fake name on it. Yeah. I don't have like, I don't have a fake name on my Facebook account, but I just, I don't use it. And the fact that I have one at all is just so that I, certain of my former coworkers can find me. (laughs) Yeah, that's like, that's it. For me, it's an event management system for like arranging parties. And it's a way to show mom photos of places I've been without me having to sit down and show my mom photos. Yeah, no, I got nothing. I feel like, um, I feel like the problem is about having your real identity connected to stuff on the internet is that increasingly whenever you're looking for a job or doing anything, people are checking up on you online. And it's not fair that they're making a judgment call on you based on what you like and what you do in your free time, but they do. So why give them more to work with? Yeah. Like I'm not talking about just fandom. Like there's no reason that anyone who is checking me out in order to find out whether or not I would be a good fit for a job or a good fit to get this mortgage or something needs to know about this dumb party that I went to because who knows how they choose to read into that. Yeah. So I think the long history of like teachers getting in trouble for having photos on their Facebook of them drinking when they've been of age to drink for like a decade. Yeah. It's absolute horseshit, but they still get in trouble for it. It's stupid. So use a fake name for the stuff that is not immediately professional and the stuff that is professional, consider it an extension of your resume. It should be boring and professional. Yeah. All right, let's do the last one from Shu. Oh, I think it, okay, number four was, I think it was asked before, but any chance of a real life meetup one day, summer conventions, we have talked about this extensively. So extensively. And it's really, it really boils down to a matter of timing. Yeah, uh, so obviously last year we talked about it, uh, but one of us lived in England and one of us lived in Canada, and most of our listeners are in America. Yes. Um, And then this year, both of us are either out of the country, traveling, or at weddings during almost any convention that is happening this year. (laughs) Basically. I mean, uh, we would definitely be open to it um, if you are doing a convention and think that we might be interesting there. Like, seriously, shoot us a message. We just don't even know what's even out there as an option. Yeah. Because we had a discussion where I basically, like, had a moment of like, I'm getting hives from the potential freak out of this where MK was like, why don't we try doing something at Comic-Con? I was like, you're kidding me. <laughs> like, how many people is that? You're killing me here. Can we start small and work our way up and see whether or not like my anxiety about being a public speaker will allow this to work out <laughs> and then move on from there. And all of the small ones were like, oh, I have a wedding that weekend. Oh, I'm in France that weekend. Oh, I'm... Oh, yeah. Like I'm going to be in Morocco that month. <laughs> yeah. So... That sort of thing. That sort of thing. But we're definitely interested. Um, yeah. We think it would be really fun. But seriously, just if you want us there, 
email us. Yeah. Let us know about your timing. Let us know about the options. Like if that sounds like something interesting to you, just get in touch. We can travel through like most of America and say that's pretty reasonable. We can just like fly some places, but New York and Toronto would be better. Yeah. I mean, who knows New York, how long that will be efficient. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Um, okay. Next question. Call his wild work your own. Interesting. So when the fuck are y'all going to do a community episode for reals? My reaction is I don't like community. So even if we do one, I'm not going to be on it. (laughs) This is going to be MK. We did talk about it a bit, but I feel like this season of community has gone really downhill. And if we were going to do a community episode, it would have been like maybe a couple months ago. I just don't feel interested in doing one right now. Um, I will say that if you're interested in watching community or you don't know what it is, Watch the first couple seasons. It's really good. The most recent season is pretty terrible. Or, I mean, if you want to be appraised of, like, the the culturally weird phenomenon of community at its best without having to, like, drag yourself through the awkward trappings of the rest of the seasons, you should just watch some of the special episodes that they do. Like, the Paintball War episode was amazing. The Halloween zombie apocalypse episode was really great. And you don't actually need the context of the rest of the series in order to understand those for being really interesting pastiche episodes in in, in and of themselves. It's true. They do and a that's lot what of I'm doing. Like, like, I like those episodes, but I do not like the show. That's fair enough. Yeah. Um, moving on, we have an Anon via our confessional, and we also have a different Anon replying to her. So I think we should read them back to back. Yes. Um, Anon number one. My little sister lives on the other side of the country, and even though we're night and day opposites in almost every way, we do have overlapping tastes in media, so we talk about them a lot. Fan fiction is always the elephant in the room. I read and write a decent amount of fic, but I've never mentioned it to her or anyone else in real life. She's active on Tumblr, can define fandom, knows what the phrases slash and ship and AU mean, talks frequently to me about all her feels, and I know she's reblogged stuff from big name fans like Prue. Is this enough evidence to call her up and be like, I know about your secret life, let me wreck you some stuff? Because the older sister part of me thinks this would be hilarious, but the fangirl part of me thinks it's my own worst nightmare. Slash, I would freak out and deny, deny, deny if confronted like that. Should I bother bringing it up at all? And the reply to this via the confessional was from a completely different anon was if she's on Tumblr and reblog stuff from BNFs, I think you're pretty safe asking her if she's ever come across fic and what she thought about it. If she says no, you can leave it alone if you want. If she says yes and she hates it, back away and be sad. If she says yes and she liked it, ask what she liked and offer to recommend some stuff you liked. I actually got my older sister into reading fanfic by accident, and now we can talk about all kinds of things. It's awesome to have another fangirl in the family, so I wish you luck, Anon. I'm torn on this one. Really? Yeah. I think if they're reblogging stuff from you, that's a pretty good indication. I don't think so at all, because my my Tumblr is not actually that fandom heavy. I don't know. I've seen, like, what I would call norms on Tumblr, and their Tumblrs are, like, not fandom at all. See, I feel like Tumblr is one of those porous spaces where you can be sort of fanish adjacent, right? but not necessarily deep in fandom. And just, like, I will end up reblogging stuff that I think looks interesting from all sorts of random ass people without any awareness of who they are or what their general thing is. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, I've reblogged people and then been like, I don't know what you do. Like, I don't know who you are, but that was a really cool picture. That was a really funny thing. See, I would say, on the other hand, I pretty much only reblog from other fanish people, 
and I like only the people I follow. Yeah, I do. I do not reblog only from people I follow. Like I track various tags and like whenever something interesting comes up, I'll like reblog. Like so could go either way and on. Yeah, that's why I'm sort of torn on this. I always think it's nice when like you have somebody else that you like that you can talk to about something. But at the same time, like I totally understand your knee jerk reaction of like, that would be my worst nightmare. I would like deny, deny, deny if confronted with it. I think you kind of have to play it by ear. If what, if you feel that her awareness of fandom is enough such that it would make sense if she didn't know about fanfic, then yeah, why not ask her? I mean, she's your sister. She has to like you no matter what. That's not Uh, true. She's your sister. She has to be your family forever. That does not mean she has to like you forever. I love being a single child. Um, yeah, I mean, I use your judgment. You know her better than us. Yeah. But I guess find a way to broach the topic that you would feel comfortable being approached with so that when you talk to her, it doesn't freak her out either. My gut instinct was take Kate's advice, draw a dick in the sand, see what happens. <laughs> and... Thus, folks, we have the total summation of why no one should ever take Kate's advice on anything. Yeah, don't the don't end. actually do that. Yeah, good. Next, um, Anon via Tumblr. I saw that recent plagiarism work, and Prue was right to be outraged. I was outraged for her. It was pretty blatant. But it made me think about plagiarism and its iterations, and I was just curious. As an author whose works get read slash plagiarized a lot, where do you draw the line between inspiration and plagiarism? Between someone drawing inspiration from a work and outright plagiarizing it. I feel like, you know, I feel like this is one of those questions where, like, and this is not to, like, dump on you and on for asking a completely legitimate question. But, like, if you're not sure, then there's a problem. Because I think it's really obvious when you're drawing inspiration from something and when you're just taking it. I, and I, it, it is at once really obvious and at once the entire obscenity argument where it's like, I'll know it when I see it. But just to read anyone in who wasn't aware, there is like a wretched story out there, which is, I guess, like Japanese pop um, slash of some kind, where someone basically just took all of Asunder and find replaced the names and kept most of the prose and wrote in their own shit and parts. And just like, it's just horrific, blatant plagiarism. Um, and, you know, repurposed it. And I, I feel like that is really obvious and that's really blatant. I think everyone can, I, can kind of agree that that's just like fucking plagiarism and you're a dick. Yeah. Um, where I draw the line between inspiration and plagiarism is I'm flattered when people read my stuff and are inspired by it or prompted by it to create something. I'm not flattered if someone... This is a thing that has actually happened a lot. And I've had multiple people kind of like send me an email and be like, can you fucking believe this shit just happened? And like, we need to talk about this because it happened to like 20 something the other day, right? Where someone emailed her and was like, lol, I really like your story. I'm just going to take it and use it in my own story. Thanks. Were you there for this? No, that's incredibly upsetting. Yeah. So the the genesis of like this story that like I got plagiarized most recently And I think it happened the same way to 20 something too, where basically someone is like, I really like your story. I'm just going to go and use it. Thanks. It's just like, that doesn't cover you for plagiarism. Like, and I know I'm getting completely off topic, but like, if you see someone's story, you really like it and you think the plot is really cool. And you think that the way it was written was really neat. Leave a nice comment. What you don't do is take the story, 
find, replace all the names and tweak bits of it until it's yours, because that is plagiarism. And it doesn't matter if you listen to me now, because you're going to find out eventually in school and get expelled. So that's going to be your problem professionally going forward. So I'm not too concerned about it. But in terms of where the line is, it's like, I would say something as simple as, do you feel comfortable with what you're doing? But then I don't think people actually have like a good barometer for that. They clearly I used don't. to think that it was really obvious, but apparently it's not. Yeah. Um, ask someone who won't immediately agree with you on something. I have one of my best friends. I'll be like, this is what I'm planning to do. I need you to devil's advocate me. <laughs> it works out really well. Yeah. But I mean, I feel like <sighs> I have such a hard time articulating my thoughts on this where I've had questions from people who are really concerned, like, I feel like I'm stealing or plagiarizing somebody because I'm using a turn of phrase that they use. And it's like very particular to their work. And I feel like in those cases, that's not really plagiarism, you know, that's almost like literary theory where you can identify the influences of a writer based on various elements that live within the body of their work. But even just a very cursory glance will let you know, like, no, this is its own original content. But the author is clearly drawn from the various elements that they read and influenced them growing up or like as they were working on this piece. So it's a completely separate thing. There's a huge difference between a turn of phrase and wholesale paragraphs. Yeah. And like if I read, but like even in wholesale paragraphs, like if I read it and I get an uncomfortable feeling and it's like, I've literally read this before, like some iteration of it before, that's very, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's really hard to draw that line, but I feel it's, it boils down to like, I, it's, I'll know it when I see it because it'll make me really uncomfortable. Yeah. There was like a case a while ago, like this was several years ago, um, of someone in a K-pop fandom. What the fuck is it with Asian pop fandoms where a very kind hearted person actually alerted me to the fact that some girl had just like ripped off huge chunks of drastically redefining protocol but she'd done it in a way that she had tweaked it enough that I couldn't just wholesale be like, you literally stole this paragraph. But anyone who had read both works knew that it had been plagiarized, basically. Right. And, I, and I'm and i never the person who is going to like, I'm not going to like pick a fight with you. Like the most I'm going to do is leave a comment being like, I'm really annoyed by this. Sure. Which is what I did with the, which is what I did with the Japanese pop one. I didn't do it with the Korean, the Korean pop one because I was like, there's almost enough wiggle room that you can maybe make an uninspired argument that that was unintentional, even though to me it seems really obvious. So I'm just going to let that one go. It sucks. But yeah, I think it, we're just going to have to stick with, it boils down to, I know it when I see it. Yeah. And try to like, try to avoid it. Like if it's something that you think like, I feel uncomfortable doing this. Don't do it. All right, let's move on. Uh, Tessa says, not sure if this is the sort of thing you'd cover, but I was wondering about the prominence of breath play kink, especially <laughs> auto, or basically autoerotic asphyxiation in especially One Direction fandom. Not sure if it appears in others. How did this become semi-mainstream? It confuses me a little, seeing as I find it more scary than sexy. Less like a trust thing and more like a death wish. It sort of shocks me. Probably I'm biased because I studied Tim Win- Winton's breath in school, but I think even without that, I would have found it questionable. I, we don't, obviously we can't comment on the prominence of breath play within One Direction fandom since MK and I have very obviously displayed our ignorance yeah. <laughs> about anything One Direction fandom related. 
Um, but I feel like this falls under the whole, like, eh, it's kink, you know? Various people like it for various reasons. Yeah. We cannot judge. Can you imagine being in Teen Wolf fandom right now and hating nodding? Like, sometimes a kink becomes really popular in a fandom, and, uh, if people like it, they like it, and if they don't like it, just don't read it. Yeah. I don't know, you know, like, we could never tell the origin. Like, question not. <laughs> nice. No. Let's move on. All right. Next one, Anon via The Confessional. I've recently found out that some people like to follow specific writers or actors from their old fandoms to their new fandoms, instead of, you know, falling face first into canons and hoping fandoms will follow. I wonder because the Arthur Eames fan was so big, it seemed to overflow into The Dark Knight Rises and created a popular pairing between two characters that never actually interacted. Some fans, some fans call themselves Whedonites because of their love of his works, etc. I mostly fall face first into a lot of fandoms. Do you guys follow any particular actor, writer, directors because you'd fix them any day? Have you guys noticed any strong, other strong pairings in other fandoms that seem like they originally came from another fandom? Like the whole Bane and Blake pairing. Firstly, I have never seen any Bane and Blake, so I'm probably just completely oblivious to this sort of thing. I haven't seen it either. Yeah, like, I, if that's a big fandom, then we've completely missed that. That's cool, though. I mean, I think Blake could do better than Bane. But yes, that's my opinion. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Robin could do better than most of the people in that movie. Let's be real. <laughs> pretty much everyone in that movie. Yeah, the only people in that movie who like mm, Alfred can stay. Alfred can Alfred stay. Stay, and Robin can stay. Yeah, everyone else can go fuck themselves. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> um, I followed a couple of like writers and stuff from different shows. I mean, I think Joss Whedon is like a big one, right? Like. So many people are just like, Joss Whedon has something coming out, I'm going to watch it. Yeah, but I feel like watching it is different than saying that you're going to be in the fandom for it. Yeah, that's true. You know what, I love Firefly, but I have zero fanish feelings about it. Yeah. Um, and it's the same for me for Dr. Horrible. Um, I guess the Avengers is my exception, right? I was like, this is Joss Whedon, and I feel fanish about it. But it's the Avengers, like it's all of Marvel, really. Yeah, so that was less like Joss Whedon and more you were going to be fanish about that no matter what. Pretty much. I tend not to have creator or actor things where I, where I follow them into fandoms. Like, I will, like, for example, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, I've loved since he had girl hair <laughs> in uh, Third Rock from the Sun. And I've watched almost all of his projects and things like that. But I'm not really, I wasn't really fanish about most of it. Um, until we hit Inception, and that was, like, a fandom that just existed and was fun. But, I mean, he's gone on since Inception. Fuck, how did I ever get that guy's, that name? The Ryan Johnson movie about the Loopers. I watched Loopers, which oh, I thought was really interesting and a very, very cool kind of compact, solid uh, science fiction film, but I have no intention of writing any fic about it or being fanish about it. So I think that following people or following actors, writers, directors is one thing, but it doesn't necessarily lead to you being fanish about them. Whereas following particular authors has definitely tricked me into various fandoms. And by authors, I mean fanfic authors. Yeah, no, fanfic authors I follow all over the place, as evidenced by Prue. <laughs> My most appalling example still goes back to Light Gets In where she wrote white collar fic that I loved, and then she posted social network fic, which is how I ended up <laughs> in social network fic for that a while. Is appalling. It's so appalling. <laughs> I would say it's, it's a lot easier to follow a fic author because you know that um, 
no matter what series they write in, they could write specific tropes that you will really enjoy. And that probably if they have a long history of writing different types of characters, you're probably going to be interested in that type of character or that dynamic or whatever. What happened? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Whereas following like a TV writer or a movie writer or an actor, like they, the range of things they're going to be in is going to be so crazy. It's a lot harder. Yeah. Agreed. Sometimes I'll follow a, not fanishly, but like if there's an actor or whatever that I really like, uh, Canada is remarkably big and small. I can often see a lot of these people in like stage plays and I'll really enjoy those, but it's not fanish. It's just like, I really love their stage work and I love their screen work. All right, moving on from that, question from Anna. MK, what are your favorite Sentinel racks? I remember this question, and the person who asked it asked if I had read some very specific stories. Uh, I actually, every once in a while, I get emails from people who are like, oh my god, MK, I've read this Sentinel fic, you're really gonna love it. And I almost never respond, and it's not because I don't like you, it's because I've read everything. I've read (laughs) it before you've read it. I have an alert, I have an RSS feed. If it's a Sentinel story, I've fucking read it. Um, that said, I do have some recs. <laughs> <laughs> the first one is called Right on the Limits by The Hoyden. It's NHLRPS of Sidney Crosby and Gino Malkin. Um, and one of the reasons that I'm going to wreck this is because Hoyden was like, man, whenever I read a Sentinel fic, I always talk to you and you always tell me that they did it wrong because you have actual Sentinel powers. And I was like, yeah, it's a big problem. And she was like, do you want to be my Sentinel beta while I write some like Sentinel hockey fic? And I was like, yes. This is the most accurate Sentinel story you will ever read. And it's beautiful and, like, emotionally very satisfying. The next one is an ongoing, like, it's a work-in-progress AU uh, called Chameleon by Velvet Mace. It's, like, the BBC Sherlock Sentinel story. Um, It's incredibly plotty. It might be a little triggery, so, like, look at the warnings before you get in there. Um, And I hope it updates again soon, because it hasn't updated in a while, and it's really engaging and interesting. And it's Sherlock John, obviously. Uh, The next one is called Sentinel and Guide by Elena, which is a Hawaii Five-O story that's Steve Dano. Steve goes into a zone when he hears his father's murder over the phone in the pilot, and only wakes up in hospital when Detective Williams comes in to see him as part of the investigation. Um, That one's really interesting. And it took a lot of elements from, like, different Sentinel A's and worked them together into, like, a very plotty and interesting alternate pilot. The next one is called I Want You Under My Skin by Funky and Fishnet. It's a teen wolf story, uh, which really needs to be longer because it's one of the most delightful Sentinel AUs I've ever read. It's, like, all hurt comfort and possessive Derek. Like, just hurt comfort up the wazoo. And then I actually, I'm going to give you guys a link later, which is just the Sentinel tag on my pinboard because while most of it is public... Like, there's just, there's a fucking lot of Sentinel that I've read. We can move on now. <laughs> yeah, you like that? Okay. Next question. It's a long one, folks. Um, from Stella. Excellent stories contain many lovable features, so it makes sense that my, it was my particular rec, of Intemperance by Basingstoke. Didn't mention the primary reason I loved it. It seemed authentically queer to me. There are lots of ways to be a trans or queer person, of course, but so many things in the story rang true. The fluidity with which Sherlock and Irene performed gender roles in and out of bed, the way that Sherlock had to explain his role to Watson and keep explaining it, but the gap didn't damage their friendship, the way Mary remained super straight, but something about the culture and flexibility appealed to her. I'm not being especially articulate. I love that in the same way that Prula and the Hoyden love it when people succeed at writing with real women. It reminded me of my community, my friends, my life. 
don't get me wrong, I don't enjoy issue fic or want to read any more stories in which Jim finds out that Blair goes to the gay bar for anonymous sex and gets all homophobic about it and everyone hates themselves. But it can be nice to see some trace elements of queer culture reflected. Just like it was good when the original Star Trek cast people of color as main characters, but it was even better later when characters occasionally did things that related to their cultural heritage, like when Cisco taught their son the family gumbo recipe. Is this something that you notice about slash fandom, the way that there are lots of non-straight women in fandom and lots of stories about gay sex, but not a lot of queerness? How do I address this? I feel like I understand what you're driving at, but I feel like it all kind of boils down to if it's written well, then it reflects honestly um, some kernel or gem of truth about people. And that's, that's a truth, whether you're in slash fandom, whether you're reading any kind of fanish writing, whether you're reading any kind of regular writing as well. Um, the same thing that binds all really good fiction or all really good writing is digging underneath all of that and kind of highlighting that one thing that seizes you by the throat as you're reading and saying, that's me, you know? Yeah. Um, it's a unifying element. But I, I think there is something unique and interesting about the whole Danish perspective on this and the generalized increase quotient of queering of things within the context of fandom that is probably worthy of a much more intelligent discussion than I'm capable of having. I think it's a really complicated thing and it's, I mean, anytime that you have a large group of people who are not Thing A writing about Thing A, you're going to get yeah. a lot of it that's not accurate or true the way that people who actually experience it would say. Yeah. Um, but, I don't know, it's it's writing, it's fiction. All we can do is our best. I also think it sort of like hails back to when we were talking to um, Leanne Centaur a while back about yaoi fandom, about how even though it's ostensibly about gay men, it's not for them. Yeah. Yaoi is its own very interesting thing because, yeah, it's in theory, you're reading about gay men, but it's not really. No. That's not what it is. It's not aimed at them. Yeah, and I feel like that's probably similar to what's happening in Slash fandom, where you have a lot of stories about, ostensibly about queerness, but it's not necessarily... It's not for queer readers, if that makes any sense at all. Yeah, I always feel like gender isn't as important in fanfic, or not important, but I'm li- like, there's a word I'm missing there. But it's really about the love story. It's not yeah. about the specific elements of these people. Yeah, it's like the same way that romance novels have characters that are essentially interchangeable. What you're trying to do is to get the chemical hit of the romantic the romantic climax, you know, like that's yeah. what you want out of every romance novel. And it, I, they're so interchangeable. There are maybe like three romance novel characters whose names I can remember. And that's with me adoring the genre in general. Yeah. I love Lynn Curland as an author, but pretty much all of her books are just the same two characters in different situations. Yep. And that's fine with me. I really enjoy it. I'm not looking for the authentic experience of the ghost. Agree. <laughs> oh, God. Sorry. I'll cite that one story. Uh, no, there's more than one story with ghosts. Okay, why do you always cite that one series whenever you're talking about romance novels? Did I not tell you, like, how pivotal Lynn Kirland was? I, you know, I keep trying to forget how pivotal Lynn Kirland was to you. Okay, so, for one thing, my family, for years, the only things that we were allowed to read were murder mysteries and anything by a British author. Nothing outside of that. Science fiction, any kind of genre fiction other than mystery was considered inferior literature that would rot your brain. Um, And I accidentally 
not knowing what it was, at a garage sale, bought, like, a really ultra-trashy romance novel, like, clothes You've falling off. You've already told this story on Slash Report before. Yes, but the point is, when I finally got to read Lynn Curlin, that was, like, the stuff that I could read and hide in my room, and my family didn't know about it, and it got me back into, like, reading romance and into fan fiction again. And it helped my friend pass English. Like, it had a huge effect. Okay. Let's move on. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> From Scottish suicide ghost romance. Yes. Um, another Anon via the confessional. Also long. Also long. Very um, controversial question, I think. Yes. I was wondering how Slash Report feels about incest and fics. In the past, I've dabbled a bit in SPN and numbers cest fic. However, recently, one of my favorite authors in another fandom started writing fic on her Tumblr about a father-slash-underage son uh, slash pairing, and I had have had to blacklist incest via Tumblr savior. Although I am also considering unfollowing her too, because when a follower made a slightly worried-sounding comment about it being bad slash wrong to enjoy the stories, the author replied that it was okay. There's a difference between him being a bad person and enjoying a kink. Does this really apply, though, when you're talking about stories featuring sexual abuse of a minor written for entertainment and titillation? I recently had a conversation with a friend who was looking for more stories in her particular fandom of choice, and I introduced her to AO3, but I warned her to filter the pairings and not just the characters because her favorite character is also featured in an incest pairing in some stories. She was a bit shocked at this and I proceeded to blow her mind by explaining that yes, this exists and gave the example of Snape slash underage Harry. She was really quite horrified and the thing is, she's a survivor of child sexual abuse herself. She just could not fathom that people would write these stories would write these kind of stories for fun and not to, you know, try and educate on the issue but to entertain and let's be real, aroused too. It made me think about my reading of Cestfix, and I realized when I did that, sorry, and I realized that when I did read them in the past, the characters were generally siblings and at least teenagers. I definitely draw the line at adult, parent, other, child stories. So I wondered what you think, headquarters. I've thought about sending this question for a while now, but finally decided to send it after reading this article in The Atlantic just now. And we'll link to the article, The Atlantic article, um, on the show page, because I think it's an interesting one. Um, this is a really tough question, and I think that it's one that everyone has to answer on their own. Like, you have to judge what you're comfortable with reading. I am very much a proponent of what you enjoy in fiction is not necessarily a deciding factor in who you are as a person. Like I, for example, I love gruesome, dark, fucked up serial killer stories. Like I just watched the Hannibal pilot last night and adored it for all of its like creepy, grotesque imagery and sort of like the dark pathos of the whole thing. But I think that anyone who knows me in real life is like, I, the fact that you have like a secret, not so secret crush on Hannibal Lecter doesn't fit in with anything else about your character. And I feel like what we like in fiction doesn't necessarily, it's, I don't know. I feel like what I'm trying to make a point is that like, you can like what you like, but it doesn't necessarily, I agree with the person who responded to her reader being like, enjoying a kink or enjoying the fictional exercise of something doesn't necessarily mean that you would enjoy the reality of a thing. Yeah, and I think it depends, right? Like, when I was younger, I read incest fic, and I read all sorts of things that now make me deeply uncomfortable. I mean, you change over time. Yeah. Reading those things never meant that I thought that incest was acceptable. Uh, it was just something I enjoyed reading at the time. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think it's particularly interesting, like, when we take a look at fandom, and we're like, okay, which 
the primary incest fandoms that I know of, right, are going to be things like Supernatural. Glee. Glee? Uh, yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, but I don't think that people are, I don't, I think that for the most part, readers aren't going to every fandom and saying like, all this other stuff is great, but I would like to make these two people who are related bone. You know, there, there's certain fandoms that are given to that. And there are certain dynamics that are built into it that people are intrigued by. And I don't necessarily think people like get off their computers and say like, having read this Glee incest fic, I feel like this behavior is now sanctioned and I'm going to go bone someone in my own family now. This is probably the same thing where people, usually legislators try to argue that playing violent video games creates people who commit violence. Exactly. No, I've been playing violent video games my whole life. I'm not a violent person. I, you know, support stricter gun control laws all over the world. Yeah. One does not necessarily lead into the other. On the other hand, there is, there has to be something said about the particular titillation factor of this, where there is a line somewhere in there where you're just like, guys, this is really not cool. Because there's stuff like, as part of my continual efforts to make myself immortal through means of reading bad fic, right? Yes. I have run across things that used to be posted on, and if everyone remembers why blindfolds, like SPN blindfold ended up folding up shop, like it's real, it's semi related to this topic. I'm not going to get into details. If you know about it, you know about it, but suffice it to say like that, that kink mean ate itself because of underage sexual content, essentially. Um, There are parts of it where you're just like, you know what? Like I really am uncomfortable with this content, you know? And I feel like that's a line everyone ends up drawing for themselves. And it'll change. It will change. There will, you know, definitely, definitely. This is one of those things that's like, so how do you capture it? Right. It's like people, it's like there are kinks that you like in writing that you would not necessarily like in real life. Like there's tons of stuff that I like enjoy reading about, but if anybody ever tried that on me in the bedroom, I would like punch you in the teeth. Do you know what I mean? Like it's the two are not, one does not lead to the other. But where does that, how does that line move? Like, how does one influence the other? I don't know. I feel like that's like a bigger question than fandom can address. Yeah. So I don't think we really have a good answer for you other than, you know, it's personal and just be aware of where you are at this point in time and like where you might be in the future and, I don't know, be strong. Yeah. I feel like practice self-care. Like if you think reading something's going to really bother you, like don't just avoid it. Find some way to like stay away. Like, there's some fandoms that, like, we all sort of know by reputational force are a lot more problematic than others. So if you don't think you can read about if, like, incest really makes you uncomfortable, like, stay away from fandoms X, Y, and Z. If this really makes you uncomfortable, maybe stay away from fandoms A, B, C, you know? Like, you have to you have to take care of yourself. And I think a part of that means, like, keeping yourself away from certain parts of the internet. Although I don't necessarily know that we'll ever, we don't necessarily have the right to curtail what other people find interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's move on. Um, Anon via confessional titled this email, How much I hate MK for ruining my life. Teen Wolf, I can't stop. Don't send help. Also, seriously, I know one of you is terrible enough to write my Omegaverse Sentinel AU. I'm sorry, Prue, for not being sorry at all. Oh, it's fine. I don't mind. You will, I'm sure you'll be sorry when someone does write the Omega Percentile at you and it's fucking awful and you're going to read it anyway. So therein lies your own punishment. No comment. Um, <laughs> um, Kim asks, 
I was wondering if there were any plans for an SGA episode or an episode on bidding. We actually tried to do an SGA episode a long time ago. We made it 35 minutes in, and then we both awful. stopped, and we looked at each other, and we were like, is this the worst episode of all time? So bad. And that's why we wound up recording an episode about children's books. Yeah, we were just, like, not in the mood. We do still want to do an episode on SGA, because I think that we do have, like, vague plans to do, like, um nostalgia fandom so like sga i think um another one that i would like to do is smallville mm-hmm. like that'd be a hilarious one that being my first slash fandom ever i think the trick with sga is that we have to get each other in the same place at the same time and just watch a bunch yeah. of it and then record ourselves probably while because i feel like strong. there's still a lot to enjoy Definitely. about sga i but still see you have, yeah I still see a lot of SGA on my Dash, on Tumblr. Like, I didn't even follow people for SGA. It just cropped up. We just have to be, like, in a certain mood. Yeah. And vidding is really complicated. Vidding is tough. I think that there are... We would love to do a vidding episode, but it's um it's a matter of finding the right people to come on and talk about it. Yeah. It's yeah. going to be really tricky. It's always been on our back burner list, but it's like, we just don't have the resources right now to do a vidding episode. Yeah. All right. Um, Sally. Hey, Prue and MK. I'm wondering if you guys ever thought about doing a podcast on the topic of LGBT-themed movies slash shorts. I'm interested in knowing if you guys have watched any, what you think about them, and what recommendations you may have. I know there's been an episode on Yaoi and Boys Love already, and it was really great, so maybe it would be fun to explore this side as well. Uh... <laughs> Do you even watch any? I don't... I have. Like, I've watched a lot. Um, but I mean, and this sounds terrible, and I'm sure that there are, like, good LGBT-themed movies out there that I'm just not aware of. But I feel like Marilyn would back me up on this when I say, like, most of them kind of suck. And the ones that don't are heartrending. Yeah. Such as Brokeback Mountain is a very classic one. Um, A lot of the Chinese ones that I watched are all, like, set during the Cultural Revolution, so, like, everything is awful. Like, for example... Kids, if you're listening to this and thinking, wow, I didn't know that there were, like, Chinese LGBT, LGBT, whatever, queer movies out there that I could be watching, I'm going to go look some up. Here's one you don't want to watch, okay? Do not watch one called Lan Yu, because I'm going to, I'm going to fucking spoil this for you, because it is like a, it's like a horrible, heart-rending movie about a kid who, like, goes to college, realizes he's, like, gay, like, falls in love with this dude, they live through all these tribulations, and he literally dies in the last minute of the movie when someone drops a metal pole on him. And the closing scene is of his, like, husband kind of, like, sitting in the morgue, like, crying over his body. And I just remember sitting there being like, why did you do this? Yeah. Why did they just be happy together? Um... Why? And they all seem to fall within that category. That's pretty... Yeah, okay. So here's an interesting thing that most people don't know. Before Brokeback Mountain, like several years before Brokeback Mountain was made, uh, Heath Ledger auditioned for a movie that they were going to make, which is based on the novel The Dreyfus Affair. The Dreyfus Affair is a story of two professional baseball players who, as it turns out, are closeted gay and fall in love with each other. Um, And it's... A really fun, happy story. The end of the book involves someone getting shot in the ass, but surviving. And, like, they live happily ever after. And Heath Ledger was like, I want to play one of those gay baseball players in that movie. I think that's going to make an amazing movie. It got optioned. They were ready to make it. And then the producers were like, you know, here's the thing. We can't really make a movie about gay characters unless they die at the end. Would you be interested in, like, playing a gay character later in a different movie? And he was like, fine, but I think this would have been amazing. And then instead they made Brokeback Mountain. Which, 
Yes. The Dreyfus Affair would have been a far superior movie. It's an excellent book. If you can find a copy of it, there are different books called The Dreyfus Affair that are not about baseball. You want the one with baseballs on it. Who wrote it? Uh, give me a minute and I will find out. Um, I guess it boils down to, like, we could definitely do, like, an LGBT movie shorts-themed um, episode, but I honestly don't know that we would have, like, enough sort of meat to the bones of that episode. The Dreyfus Affair is by Peter Lefcourt. Okay. Everyone check that out. In fact, I will definitely be checking that out because it's almost baseball weather. You would really means, like it. Which means I'm going to need some of that action in my life. Um, just two quick recommendations of movies that I thought were really good. Uh, or not two. One is like you're going to have to do some digging to find this because it's called Formula 17. It is a delightfully frothy, completely ridiculous um, rom-com set in Taiwan about this kid who basically comes to the city during the summer of university to essentially like find true love. And he's like, I assume that he's probably like 18 or 19 years old and he's like saving himself for true love. And he ends up falling for the biggest man slut in all of Taipei. And it is as kind of ridiculous as you would assume. There are some stereotypes in there that like people may find offensive. I think that you should kind of, it, mostly it's the side characters who have those stereotypes, by the way. But I feel like you should take a look at the movie and forgive it its failings and enjoy the fact that someone made, like, a genuinely happy, extremely bubbly and bright pink, um, like, sunshine-soaked, heavy saturation of color, like, rom-com story, essentially. Um, it's Chinese, but you can find it with English subtitles. What's another one that I watched that I was like, all right, fine, this doesn't make me want to slash my wrists. Imagine You and Me. Imagine You and Me is, like, probably the other only happy-ish gay movie that I can think of. Yeah. And I feel like everyone should go watch Formula 17 and Imagine You and Me, and then we can just sit quietly and be sad that everyone else is dead from having metal poles dropped on them. Yeah, that's about it. Um, and read The Dreyfus Affair. <laughs> yeah. Should be really good for you. Uh, though it's only really available, like, used. It's out of print. There are a lot of copies available on Amazon if you are American. You cannot get it shipped to Canada. Useless. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about the rest of the world. Sorry, guys. Maybe your library will have it. Yeah, it's possible. It's quite possible. All right, next question. Planet of the Hats. What are your thoughts on the current season of The Good Wife? So behind. Have not watched any of the current season of The Good Wife. All I can tell you is that from the people who are watching it, they're all expiring from how amazing and badass it is. So I'm really excited to catch up when I do get a chance. Uh, I know a couple little things. I had to fail out and just like stop watching The Good Wife because it was too stressful for me, which happens all the time because I'm weak. Um, but I will say if you are a Doctor Who fan, if you remember the episode, um, which follows around the guy who like makes a band in the basement of some building with a bunch of other people who have also run into the doctor in their lives. He's like a really good actor who's been in loads of shows. He is Kalinda's crazy, evil, abusive, like murdering drug husband or whatever. And he's which, um, terrifying. Yeah. Which if you failed out of the series, cause you didn't like him being on it, they realized that that was an entirely terrible narrative decision very early on and just wrote him off the show. Oh, seriously? Yeah, because I made it like that halfway through an episode, and I was like peeing my pants in terror, and I had to stop. Yeah, people really, really hated that plot. Good, but he is very convincing. I'm sure. Um, next question from Tropic Thunder. 
she's from the Philippines and sent us a long email about her struggles with loving hockey while living in a tropical country or in London, England, and then added, Thanks to MK and previous episodes, I learned that there was now a magical world of fic, but I don't know anyone on the teams anymore, and I don't know where I should start. Can you wreck any vids of Epic Games or players that I should watch? Gold medal Canada game for the Olympics. Uh, it was amazing. Canada versus USA. There are other games. I mean, just Google, like, best of hockey on YouTube or something. You'll find it. But, I mean, you could just look up, like, the best plays of Sidney Crosby, of Genny Malkin, uh, Jonathan Taves, uh, Patrick Kane. Um, there's a lot of fic for the Carolina Hurricanes right now. You know. Because Raleigh is baller. Raleigh, like, when you read it... Okay, here's the thing about fic for the Carolina Hurricanes, because I fucking love Jeff Skinner and Eric Stahl, but there's very little fic for them and very little good fic for them. They're both from Canada, they're both from Ontario, and whenever I read fic about them, it's like, oh man, it's so nice and like warm in Carolina, it's so lovely here, but they're still ultra-Canadian, it's really weird to see them like not missing snow. It's, like, really disconcerting. I mean, I've driven through that part of the States. I like it. I would murder myself if I had to live there. I need snow. Yeah. I guess that's... But I guess they spend all day, like, on a rink. So maybe they don't miss cold weather that much. It's not the same. All right. (laughs) All right. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, Next question comes from Stockin' at Stitch. Hi, Peru. This is a Slash Report question. Are you guys still watching Elementary? I'm loving it in exactly the same way that I love The Good Wife. And the latest episodes have been so good for me. I would love to listen to your thoughts on it. MK? I love Elementary. I'm definitely still watching it. Uh, This week they introduced Mrs. Hudson, who is a trans character, who is like the only trans character ever in media to be portrayed properly. Um, And she's badass and amazing. Like, I just love her so much. And the episode was great. I will say we still, I think both of us agree that Elementary doesn't feel like a Sherlock Story, like, it's just a buddy cop show where their names happen to be Sherlock, Joan, and Mrs. Hudson and whatever. But, like, I still love it. It's one of the much... It's one of the best shows on television right now for crime dramas. It's not Sherlock, but I love it a lot. My face is really blank throughout this answer because, like, it's fine. Like, elementary is fine. Like, it's a nice... It's a nice crime show. And I love Lucy Liu still. But that's pretty much the extent of my feelings about it. Like, it's... It's good at what it does. I like the turtle. Mrs. Hudson was interesting. Still love Lucy Liu, but the, it's really like that show really has going for it, like these kind of lovely articulated character moments. And then everything else where they try to like do a plot is kind of like, for me. Yeah, I guess. We've also, we've talked about if we ever did like a convention thing where we did Slash Report Live, we would compare Sherlock Elementary and the Sherlock Holmes movies. Um, and we had a lot to say. And the books. And we had a lot to say on that, so I don't want to get into it too much on the podcast because we could share that with you in person. Yeah, and I feel like that there's, like, a lot of stuff to plumb in there. Plus, I'm pretty sure I'm going to get tons of hate now from people who love elementary, so. Here's the thing, guys. I don't understand sending someone hate mail for something that they don't like because it's like, have you ever read, I think it's an XKCD comic where they're like, if someone doesn't like something that you like... I mean, there's stuff that you don't like. Would you want someone bullying you? And alternatively, if they don't know about it yet, the answer shouldn't be like, you idiot, how do you not know about that? It should be like, holy shit, I get to tell you that this thing exists. No, absolutely. But I also, I feel like uh, this also dives into kind of like the murky under underworld of Tumblr where for some reason, and I feel like I've completely missed whatever the genesis of this is, 
like Sherlock fandom and elementary fandom do not get along. Yeah, they hate each other, and I they don't hate understand each other. why. And I feel like by dint of me saying, like, I really am not that into elementary, like, it's fine, I'll watch it, and I have it on in the background when I'm doing other stuff, I feel like I'm by default choosing a side. <laughs> I don't think that's necessary. I love Sherlock and I love elementary. I don't understand why they're fighting. If they are fighting, I think it's stupid. You like what you like. They're such different creatures in terms of what they each set out to do. They're totally different. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. We have to move on. Um, Volatile Hearts. And our last question. Yeah, it is our last question. This actually is shorter than I thought. Um, How do you feel about the Big Bang Theory? I know that most of fandom... I know that most fandom communities say no self-respecting nerd would watch it, and I've tried to explain to friends and family why I stopped watching that show and how it makes me feel uncomfortable... But I've gotten responses like, it's harmless, or I don't see it, or no, that's not what's happening. I don't even know how to approach the topic with non-fandom people anymore. Any thoughts? Uh, I hate the Big Bang Theory with a passion. I think it's uh, disrespectful and rude and damaging, uh, and that nobody should watch it, and that it's horrible. I know nerds who watch it and love it, and I don't understand. I know normal people who watch it and love it, and I don't understand. I... I don't think it should exist. If I were in charge of TV, it would be banned, but there are reasons that I am not world dictator. Well, okay, question, because I don't, I don't know anything about the Big Bang Theory. Um, what, if, what about it makes you so crazy? Like, I literally know nothing. I've never seen an episode. Okay, so the Big Bang Theory is standard sitcom with a laugh track and all of the, like, trappings of a standard sitcom, but right. it is ostensibly about a group of nerds and one, like, hot girl who's normal. Um, there are a lot of problems with the way that they represent the nerds. Uh, it's mostly stereotypes that are, like, like, the kind of people that, okay, yeah, some of them exist, but, like, they're not what I would call representative or Mm -hmm. natural. Like, it's not, like, the kind of person that would form through world experience. Um, and the way that they do, it's almost like, like, these, the characters have no social self-awareness. Like, none. They have no real-life skills. They live inside, like, this isolated bubble of working in science and only doing nerd things. And the nerd things that they do are, like, a melting pot of nerd things. Like, the things that you like that are nerdy fall into, like, fairly specific categories. Yes. And there are a lot of nerd things that you don't like, the same way that there are a lot of nerd things that I don't like. Yeah. And every nerd that I've ever met has had these, like sections of nerd living that they love and sections that they're like, I have zero interest in that. Right. Every character on the Big Bang Theory likes everything and they know everything about everything. Like there's no, there are specific things that they know more about, but it's like, it's almost like nerds written by norms who sort of know some nerd friends, but maybe because they like bullied them in high school. (laughs) Oh God. Yeah. Like, it's, it's that kind of perspective. It's not, it doesn't feel like actual nerds wrote it. I know that the writers think that they're nerds, and maybe, like, I have no right to judge them, but I feel that their portrayal of these characters is offensive and inaccurate and creates, like, more stereotyping or perpetuates stereotypes. So, I guess, like, how would we, what advice would we give about addressing this in reality when people ask about it? Well, I think it's the same way that, uh... A lot of the time for me, the portrayal of people with Asperger's is really uncomfortable or upsetting or offensive because I'm like, that's not how it is. I think you have to tell people, this makes me deeply uncomfortable personally because I feel like it's creating 
or perpetuating stereotypes about people like me and it's not representative. And if someone is like continuing to be like, I don't think it's that damaging, you're like, it makes me uncomfortable. Would you want me to continue to perpetuate something that makes you extremely uncomfortable? Like, would you want me to make a lot of Chinese jokes about you? No, it's similar. It's not the same, but it's similar. You should respect other people's boundaries and you have to tell people that if they care about you, they should respect yours. Fair enough. I think the, I think the problematic part of this is that it's like what I I saw some commercial with it the other day where they were like, it's the most watched comedy in America right now. Something like that. It's hugely popular, I guess, which makes it much harder to sort of like avoid. Yes. But it's like, it's a shit sitcom. You're always going to have a lot of people watching a shit sitcom. I don't know why. I don't know why they sell. They're all really awful. Well, their lowest common denominator humor. Like, Two and a Half Men was, like, the most popular show on TV for years. And I don't understand that either. I, I know people who love that show, and I'm like, what's wrong with you? It's easy setup, cheap laugh. Easy setup, cheap laugh. And very predictable. Yes. Always predictable is the same thing. Yeah. I don't know. I mean... It's hard to avoid it. I've managed to avoid it pretty much for about two years now. Right. I'm doing okay. Just don't watch it. Don't watch the channel if you don't like it. And if people try to talk about it, just be like, I have zero interest. I don't want to talk about it. Change the subject. Yeah. And although this kind of applies in general, because I work with a lot of argumentative fucks, who whenever I come up on, on something where I was like, I don't really want to talk about it, their response is like, but why not? Let's delve into this. And I think that there, I think it's hard to walk away when people are like, well, let's, let's duke it out. Let's justify it. And our natural inclination is trying, is to try and make someone see our point of view. But some people just like to fight for the sake of fighting. So a lot of times, like the only possible answer in that situation, just be like, you know what? Like, I don't want to have this conversation with you. I'm really sorry. Like, if you can't respect that, I'm just going to walk away. And you want to talk about something else. But if you only want to talk about this, then that's fine. Yeah, no, that's totally reasonable. Even if you have to walk away from your desk, if someone's going to keep pushing you like that, if someone later is like, why aren't you at your desk? You can be like, that person won't leave me alone. They're making me uncomfortable. I walked away. And nobody's yep. going to tell you that that's a problem. Pretty much. Every right to do that. Um, I think that's it for our questions. We did have a fandom safari, right? Yes. Uh, so we do have a fandom safari that we've been sitting on for a while. It's from Eva, and it is about the show Lewis, which is a British murder mystery show. Hi, I'm Samane Felix on LiveJournal, and this is a Lewis Fandom Safari for Slash Report. Um, Prue and MK, marry me, because you guys are perfect. Lewis is a British detective drama that spun off from Inspector Morse. You could call it the anti-Hawaii Five-O, due to the lack of car chases and guns. Instead, there's convoluted mysteries and an abundance of literary references. Basically, Inspector Lewis and his sergeant, Hathaway, solve murders in Oxford. There are a lot of murders in Oxford, but Oxford is really pretty, so it's fine. Lewis is a grumpy but kind northerner who is grieving over his late wife. Hathaway left the seminary to join the police force and is constantly being super brainy and beautifully emo and sexually ambiguous. I will never not be convinced that Hathaway isn't deeply in love with Lewis. Either that or the actor who plays him is fucking with us which is actually totally possible. He's also very tall and very blonde, and slouches very sexily. There are also two magical ladies on the show, Jean Innocent, who is Lewis's boss and a total badass, and Laura Hobson, forensic pathologist and Lewis's canon love interest. She's 100% pure sass in an adorable package. You will love both of them, it's a fact. Lastly, the fandom is the most wondrous fandom in all of fandom. The fic is consistently extremely good, the fans are polite and generous and lovely, and it's basically the happiest place to be. The end. 
See, MK, don't you watch, Lewis? I feel like you do. I totally do. I watch so many British murder mysteries. Um, it's exactly as she described. It's really good. It's really, like, calm and, like, nothing exciting ever happens. And, like, there's a lot of, like, literary references and, like, just people being really smart at each other with beautiful architecture in the background. First part of that, that sounded really intriguing to me. Um, so is there is there a big fandom around it? Um... I know that, like, some people from, like, SGA fandom and stuff write in Lewis now. I haven't actually read any Lewis fic. I tried. I didn't like it. It just wasn't, like, I, did, I don't feel a need for fandom in Lewis, but I really enjoy watching it. That's fair. It's yeah. entirely fair. All right. I think that wraps us up for this week. Yeah, I think we're good. I think we're set. Guys, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for your questions. Sorry that we were inarticulate on about half of them. That's how we roll. That is how we roll. It's who we be. Yeah. Except when you're rolling on the B. Uh, we don't talk about those dark times. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and that does it for us this week. All right, guys. Thank you for tuning in. We will catch you on the flip side. Bye. Bye-bye.